You're listening to Potluck, the podcast that stirs up a unique flavor of people, culture, and brands in Asia. Hosted, as always, by Scott and Drago. So let's talk a bit more specifically about a couple of sectors than um, areas that I know are close to your heart, um, where you think we're, you know, we're set to see a massive impact on people's lives in the near future, especially here in Asia. Um, the first one I wanted to touch on was healthcare. Now, I think for a couple of reasons. Number one, healthcare links to that idea of you know better human outcomes and you know brands actually doing things for people's you know health, wellness, you know wider well-being. And I know that you've actually done a kind of your own edition of the of the rise of the machines paper through a healthcare lens. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of go down that tangent and really see how do you feel it's playing out in that space? You know, how is the kind of acceleration of tech, you know, the machines, etc., transforming the way that people will interact with, you know, brands in the healthcare space? Yeah, so so yeah, back to the point you just made. Um, obviously, we've been presenting Rise of the Machines and various iterations of it for um, for a couple of years or so. Um, and I got approached by again another major multinational to look at doing a version that was a little bit more dedicated to the health space, to consumer health and to, to wellness, etc. And did we have a point of view on technology and how how that would impact, I guess, um, and what the future might look like through the lens of technology and healthcare? So we went about creating that version did a lot of research put a lot of work together and um, and certainly that's also been uh, a version that we've been presenting quite regularly i think we will see um from the from the evidence i've been seeing i mean as, again back to can um one major part of the of the can festival now is healthcare and it's a fascinating arena to go and see some of the advances that are happening in terms of creative marriage with technology it's a it's a is the most interesting part of the festival in some respects. So, yeah, to your point, um, I imagine that as we as we go into this next decade, where uh, artificial intelligence becomes much more mainstream and the ability to work with unbelievable amounts of data at high speed um, is going to have a significant impact on the way that uh, health solutions are developed. Um, we're starting to see some of that conversation happening with brands. So Intel, for example, obviously a chip maker, um, I saw a very interesting campaign from them not too long ago, um, which was talking about their role with Watson, which is the big IBM AI platform, you know, the, the big machine learning platform that they've developed. And it was just talking about cardiologists and the ability for cardiologists to use the IBM Watson platform and to essentially, you know, use the data that's available to them um, to make a much more informed um, diagnostics um, with regards to a patient's um, um, particular um, you know, issues, because cardiologists only have the time really to look at seven data points, whereas the, as the, what the Watson has the ability to look at 7,000 data points. So where cardiologists could get uh, uh, a, diagnos- a diagnosis right, say 55, 60% of the time, um, with Watson's powering his decision making, he's able to get it right 90 to 95% of the time. You know, I've, we've, we've been spending time with um, various healthcare companies here, and they're all fascinated by you know, the ability to use data and AI-powered data to make much better decisions and what that might mean. If you look at it through the lens of um, Singapore, where we all live, um, Smart Nation, which is the umbrella platform for essentially looking at the role of technology in modern society and how that might impact people, I mean, health is a huge part of that delivery. You know, we're starting to see wearable technology being introduced by brands and by, by the Singapore government to basically encourage people to take more empowered control of, of their lives with regards to their health care. Um, and, and obviously that data basically informs the government again on 
on um, on on better solutions on on better delivery on better information to the hospitals we can look at re, you know remote um, um, re, remote therapeutics um, all sorts of things are basically coming into the way that I think healthcare will develop based on on technology and another area we talked about or hinted that earlier on was the idea of kind of technology to provide emotional support you know we talk a lot about not just young populations in Asia but you've got aging populations in markets like Japan and China we, we talked about the movie you know her with Joachim Phoenix yeah. and falling yeah. in love with his uh, his I think Scarlett Johansson voiced assistant which maybe would be hard you know not to fall in love with but I think from your point of view Dan um, what do you think about the opportunities for brands in that space because that's fascinating where you know brands could perhaps fill the void left behind by the lack of human support and community connection yeah I mean that's going to be really interesting I mean to your point about Japan you know an elderly population a lot of very single people that are lonely and isolated I mean what could happen there is, is technology allowing people to interact be tracked and to, and to feel companionship you know I mean obviously her was, her was a very sign sci-fi version of that same scenario but but fundamentally is that going to help people I suspect it will I mean I haven't seen evidence to, to, to suggest otherwise but certainly I can imagine that brands like a Panasonic or um, will end up developing a whole range of new categories that are around personal care on an, on the next generational level with regards to um, companionship and social media I mean I, I, for a while now I've been following a, a social media platform called replica um, which is a very interesting platform where essentially you, you use the chatbot um, to create a perfect persona as a best friend um, so we might enter this new generation where your best friend is actually AI rather than a real person I'm not sure how brands fit into that equation but certainly you know we are going to see new avenues of interaction between machines and humans some of which might be relevant for brands some of which might be a little bit scary i think brands that you know when it comes to say um personal concierge services i think brands will be able to make a mark you know i mean essentially to be trusted with all that kind of personal data and to run in the background making your life a lot easier so you can get on with other things so tracking your your, your food purchases and when you're going to run out of something and automatically making that delivery and that purchase um, understanding what your travel needs are looking at your diary and being able to sort of suggest holidays at the right time based on your hectic schedules for example um, understanding what you know seats you like on the plane what type of rooms you like you know what even what kids meals you might like you know understanding your diets I mean I think once brands spend time with data and can get predictive and intuitive um, there could be very interesting opportunities but that's you know that's a step forward for a lot of brands today yeah and I think one of the things we, we uncovered in the in the research we did was how I think once people can buy into the and trust the bots if you like and see that they're accurate they're they're far better than a, a customer call center rep or an email channel and, and they get their accurate but also when they bridge more into not just being accurate but adding value uh, that's where we may start to move into that more emotional space of hey, you're actually allowed to be something beyond simply a, a function. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't know if you've interacted with some of the telco bots here, but mm. it's a bit of a horror story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I think it's again that's the missing link, isn't it? I think that ability to also not only respond well, but also to be discretionary, which often you're looking for from somebody to kind of, you know, bend around things or to offer something tailored. I think that's still perhaps part of the missing link. Yeah, I mean, I, there was a film not that long ago, which was Google's duplex technology, which was uh, the a, a next generation of. Uh, 
personal concierge mm. and and to watch that in action you know proactively booking a hair salon appointment or a restaurant appointment and interacting with a human on a level which was very intuitive you realize that is coming i mean it's only mm. inches away i mean this technology's there we've just got to look at how easy it is for people to adopt um, in the same way that people were slightly sort of frightened of, of of taking on social media for the first time and your first post on Facebook was slightly scary for a lot of people I mean we're very used to it now I mean we adapt quickly humans adapt very very quickly um, and you know there is going to be first mover advantages as there always will be on the brand side um, but this next generation of technology working with concierges working with personal assistants whatever you want to call them and then and and sort of married to the reality of 5G and the speed of the interaction, um, that's going to be very interesting. Great. So speaking of how the um, how digital is uh, perhaps replicating, perhaps uh, enhancing the physical and uh, about how the digital and the physical interact and change our lives, um, let's switch our attention to retail for a second. Now, we know that you, Dan, have a lot of experience on the retail and shopper side of marketing. Uh, and we know that you have a keen eye on how things are shifting in the region. Uh, so um, can you share a little bit uh, of your experience in terms of what you see um, uh, happening in the way brands are responding to this, in the way uh, people's behavior perhaps is changing in response to that? Well, I mean, obviously, technology, when it first arrived in, in, a, in a big way, saw the birth of major sort of e-commerce platforms. And, and fundamentally, the first disruption to retail was e-commerce. And we only have to look at the power of Alibaba and Amazon now to, to realize just how quickly, in the space of 20 years, these organizations became the size of countries. They are immensely powerful, delivering millions of items every day and and driving essentially an agenda around some of the things we just talked about, you know, predictive modeling and being able to provide an amazing service to millions of people around the world on a, on a daily basis. You know, these organizations have now switched to voice. They've got devices in homes and they're starting to basically interact with people on a very daily basis. So, I mean, there's been a lot of talk about um, traditional retail dying and it's going to be the end of it. I mean, I don't think it's going to die. I think retails need to, to evolve. And I think fundamentally, humans still need to go and interact and, hum and be humans. You know, they don't want to live at home forever just waiting for packages to arrive. They want to go out and see things and touch things and be sensory. So I think the very smart retailers have ended up you know, doing exactly that and created very experiential environments for people to go and see. They can go, they, you know, remember when we were kids, we used to go to Nike Town. It was, it was like the mecca of sports to go to these places. And I think that's the important thing for retailers to evolve and, and also recognize that people want to buy things in different ways. They might want to go to the store and see stuff and try stuff on, but they don't want to carry it out. So it still gets delivered like an e-commerce platform. Um, they might want to take two things on at home because they want to wear it tonight and the, the rest of it might come back you know to get delivered a few days later i mean fundamentally that sort of mixed sort of retail reality and and how people interact with both the physical store and the digital store um, and how and how connected you are um, comes down to designing it and uh, i think the smart retailers are starting to design amazing consumer experience the cx you know reality of where they're headed to Interesting. Um, one of my favorite uh, thinkers when it comes to retail is a, a gentleman called Doug Stevens. Um, he also has this concept of the third shelf, basically the idea of brands offering retail opportunities in spaces where traditionally there was no uh, opportunity for uh, retail. So, for example, arts of home, uh, transitory spaces, waiting at the traffic light, 
uh, on the train platform. I think we've seen some uh, manifestations of that in places like Korea. But how do you see these, um, uh, whether we call it third shelf or yeah, uh, new forms of digital, out of home di- digital, how do you see these affect uh, and transform the traditional model uh, that perhaps goes beyond this dichotomy of digital and physical? Well, I mean, I think to the examples you gave, the idea of, of using downtime or travel time or dwell time um, to to create retail transactional moments is really interesting. Um, what you are seeing in Singapore is the emergence of sort of mixed, um, I guess, mixed, mixed developments that have got um, residential um, and retail and distribution points baked into them in one go. So obviously you could arrive in, a, in one of these environments um, go shopping at the same time there's a place where you can pick up your e-commerce deliveries um which you know using uh, technology to do that and then basically go upstairs home so it's a it's a very easy way of interacting with the things around you um volvo um i saw a couple of years ago had some amazing technology where you could release digital keys so a, a delivery company could basically request a digital key to your car um you you would sanction uh, a digital key to the person's phone the phone would then allow you to open up the car you could place the delivery into the car shut the car door again and the key and the door locks again and that's it one digital key is expired and i mean you know one way or another technology is allowing us to disrupt some of these things which are an issue you know i think singapore recognizes that you know a couple of years ago 40 percent of deliveries um never made it on the first time that's a lot of traffic that's a lot of problems that need to be taken off the roads it's a lot of pollution taken off the roads if you can get it right first time so that third shelf or the distribution shelf you know the point where you could actually deliver i think is going to be a huge part of the way people will interact one one very interesting example of of using i guess a third shelf moment um, that i saw at Cannes this year was in mexico so mexico as you probably realize um, is a large city with a huge traffic problem um, and uh, burger king did this thing called the traffic jam whopper which i thought was fascinating and essentially what they did was as traffic was stuck um, in major in, in major parts of the city um, they would use real-time media to tell passengers on the on the on the billboards how long they were going to be stuck for and did they want a whopper and so a series of motorbikes would essentially go and uh, allow you to go and order something which was voice activated obviously you wouldn't weren't, weren't promoting the use of hands but um, essentially it meant that they could deliver with precise gps technology a whopper to you stuck in your car and as the traffic moved through the city um, the handover from one burger king outlet to the next one was automatically handled so always within a two kilometer delivery zone i mean it just shows you what you can do with technology in real time if you want to be smart so um, that's a tactical application of it a seasonal application of it but fundamentally they are driving more transactions so very smart retailing okay so i think we wanted to tie everything together uh, dan thanks for sharing so many interesting um you know nuggets from those different topics i know you you like to leave uh, those that you often present to with a few big themes a few big points to kind of you know to take home to to ponder over um would you mind just sharing a few of those which you see as maybe being more pertinent uh, things you think are fundamental to to consider yeah i mean i mean i saw some you know, in my time at Cannes, um, one of the first things I did was sort of decide, let's take 10 or 12 of the best films and some of the cases that I felt were the most disruptive, the most transformative in terms of what they represented. And there were a few themes that we wrote around it. And I think the first thing is that, um, you know, back to that conversation of purpose, I think fundamentally you've got to ask yourself, 
organizations need to ask themselves, is there a role for purpose? Do they have a sense of purpose and what is it? Are they going to invest in it and are they going to stand for it? Secondly, I think there's been um, you know, a lot of consumer activism. Um, that's definitely been on the rise. I mean, you only have to look at the whole Nike event last year and, and to this year um, to, 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 to see that now consumers have a voice and they're prepared to speak up very quickly and mobilize themselves very quickly. And they can take down brands really quickly if they're caught out. Technology, I think... There's no question that technology has had a dramatic impact. Um, it's changed everything forever now. And we have to accept that as we come to the end of this decade, um, we are going to move from a, sort of a very mobile deca- decade to a, to a decade that's going to be driven by 5G and artificial intelligence and automation. So technology has to have a very human connection. There has to be a human benefit to the way that this is going to work. I think storytelling has moved on. We, the long-form way of telling stories as a brand um, has started to become uh, a 21st century reality now. I think we have to accept that there is a 21st century way of telling a story, and that's really important. Um, we still have to connect to culture. Um, that was one of the themes that we felt was really important, and the speed of culture. And I think you have to, have, you have to place yourself in culture now. You can't just sit outside it and hope that people will come to you. And I think that's asking a number of brands to be brave. I think bravery was the major theme for me. Um, and I think bravery is going to be a huge part of the way that organizations look at this coming decade. One of the things that I often sort of talk to organizations about, um, and it's, it's one of my sort of presentation points, is these three numbers of 70, 20, 10. Um, and I know there are mer- many iterations of it out there. But fundamentally, this is what I believe. I believe that organizations need to split themselves up. It's not about departments anymore. I think organizations need to rewire themselves around 70, 20, 10. 70 really is the business as usual. We have to accept that we are organizations that have to deliver our results. We live in a capitalist environment, and that's the quarterly nature of how businesses operate. But the reality is if 100% of our resources and 100% of our budgets are spent chasing that, um, we're going to get stuck. We're going to die very quickly. So I think if we were to do that with 70%, i.e. 70% of the money and 70% of our resources, we just need smart people to deliver those results on a business-as-usual level, business as, level as quickly as possible. Which means that the 20% can be, is resources and money spent on the things that you know can be scaled. You've already seen them working. We've seen them working well. You just haven't had the money and the time to, res- to invest to get them off the ground properly. But you need a different type of person. We need people that are, are fundamentally wired into scaling things. They enjoy making things bigger. And we need those people now. We need those people to spend their time and, and to be not distracted in achieving those results. The 10 is the Google way of looking at things, moonshot. We need people around that fundamentally are going to fail fast, develop ideas, and half of them are never going to work. And in fact, to be honest, if one or two ideas become ideas that are well worth investing and becoming the, 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 the sort of 20% story and hand it over, then those are the sort of, those are the sort of mechanisms we need, I think, in organizations. Um, I've already seen organizations adopt those principles, and we're starting to organize our own resources to kind of work with, uh, with our clients in that kind of structure, the people that do the business as usual, the people that are good at spending time really developing ideas so that they become big global platforms ideas um, and then and the, and the quick and fast you know ideation kind of space um, I think that's the future because it's just, it's just just going to get faster okay 
yeah, I think that brings us to the end of uh, today's interview. So um, yeah, from from Drago and myself, thanks so much, Dan, for uh, being such a great uh, guest. No, it's a pleasure. You... Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, it's great. Thanks. Thanks for coming down here and uh, helping us stir the pot. Great. That was awesome. That was so good to uh, have Dan here with us and uh, help us do a very nice summary of uh, the kind of themes that have emerged uh, throughout 2019 and to help us look into the future, what's coming up in 2020. And speaking up of uh, what's coming up in 2020, there'll be more of potluck coming your way. Indeed, yeah, I mean, around our uh, hectic travel schedule, we'll be trying to squeeze in as many uh, episodes as we can, you know, looking for new guests to interview, both here in Singapore, but also around the region. Um, and yeah, Drago, thanks for, uh, for putting this together with me uh, this year. Bon voyage on your forthcoming, your trip tonight, in fact, to South Africa. Enjoy a glass or two of, uh, I think they call it pinotage in, in, uh, in, in South Africa on me. Great, yeah, thanks, Scott. Uh, and uh, I understand you have your own uh, Southeast Asian tour to wrap up before we go back to the Highlands for a wee dram. Indeed, indeed. So, so in the meantime, keep, keep it, it brewing. brewing.